there's this exhibit by the artist Yayoi Kusama. It's at the Broad Museum in downtown Los Angeles, and it's beautiful, but really, really hard to describe. Sarah Lawyer can explain it better than I can. She's an associate curator at the Broad. This room is called Infinity Mirror Room, the souls of millions of light years away. It has LED lights, lots and lots of LED lights that are glowing, going on and off, flickering at times. And all around you, you have mirrors. So on the floor, on the ceiling, and on all of the walls around you. It's like you're floating in a room full of stars. The thing about this room, this exhibit, when you go see it at the Broad, you actually can't stay in the room that long. You have the stopwatch. Yes, 45 seconds, that's right. It's like championship timing. (laughs) Sabrina Gizo is a visitor services associate at the Broad. And before every group of visitors go into this room, Sabrina gives them a little spiel. You're going to have 45 seconds in the room. We ask that during that time that you stay on the rubber mat. If she didn't give them a time limit, these visitors might stay in that dark room for God knows how long, trying to get the perfect selfie. But Sabrina wants them to take pictures. The museum wants them to take pictures. If you're taking photos, take a lot of photos. I always say the experience can be awesome, but the photos can be breathtaking. They are. Pictures of people standing almost reverently in this room full of stars and mirrors. It's as if this exhibit at this museum was made specifically for Insta. And if you want to really get meta about it, you could argue, besides just the Infinity Mirrors room, all these selfies in that room of mirrors all over Instagram, this collage of similar yet unique and personal photos spread all around the Internet. Maybe that's art, too. From NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Today, we ask a very big question. How is the Internet and social media and Instagram specifically changing art with the capital A? How we see it, how we share it, what we think of those who make it, who we think owns it. In this episode, we'll talk with some independent artists whose primary means of sharing their art is Instagram. And we'll talk with Wesley Morris. He's a critic at large at The New York Times, and he has a lot of big thoughts on all of this. All that after the break. Support for NPR and the following message come from VSP Individual Vision Plans, offering coverage for a low monthly cost if you don't have vision coverage through an employer. You'll get access to the nation's largest network of independent doctors and hundreds of name brand frames. Plus, you can save more than $200 a year. VSP believes you deserve to see better for life for less. Discover for yourself at needvspcoverage.com. Every day, you wake up with a long to-do list. Up First gives you the latest news in about 10 minutes, so you feel all caught up on the world while also catching up on your life. And hey, don't forget to walk the dog. Listen to Up First every morning from NPR News. At the Broad Museum in downtown L.A., you can see very clearly just how Instagram has totally changed the way all of us experience museums. We've been standing in line for like over an hour to make sure we would be the first in the room. Charles Henry O was one of the many people waiting in line at the Broad just to see the Infinity Mirrors exhibit. Will you Instagram it? Uh, most likely I will, yeah. Okay. Of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Adriana Hidalgo and her family were in line as well. And I caught them just as they left the room. It felt like we were just floating in air or something. <laughs> did you take pictures? Yes. Yeah, How many did you get? I don't know. I didn't check yet. So. <laughs> These kind of visitors are a curator's dream. Visitors who will wait in line just to pay to get into a museum and who will then publicize the museum with a bunch of photos afterward. At the Broad, there are lines down the block on weekday mornings. And the Broad Museum has found that almost a quarter of visitors to the museum, they come after they see pictures from the museum in their friends' and family's social media feeds. And all museums realize now that Insta has to be a big part of their outreach. You'll occasionally hear these stories of museum goers with selfie sticks, taking those Insta photos, knocking over the artwork and stuff. But Sarah Lawyer, the curator at the Broad, she says, for the most part, people are totally fine with folks making Insta part of their experience. I'm a curator. I go to a lot of exhibitions and look at art, and I'm constantly taking pictures, too. So it's okay. I'd almost compare it to the way that if you go to a restaurant and you see a beautiful dish and you take a picture of it because you want to document that beauty, Mm -hmm. and then you eat it and you enjoy all the flavors and Mm -hmm. savor every bite, Mm -hmm. I think you can do the same thing with an experience of art. Museums like the Broad have totally leaned into Instagram. It is good for them. But even if it's good, it's changing the museum experience a lot. I called up someone who could really speak to all that change. Hey, Wesley Morris, can you hear me? Uh, I can. How are you? I'm good. How are you? What's going on? Wesley Morris is a critic at large for The New York Times. Um, He writes about art and films and music and a whole lot more. And he says everywhere you look, art is changing, almost bending itself to the will and the aesthetics of Instagram. In museums, yes, but also everywhere else. I can see the effects of this thinking on more commercial ideas, right? Like Mm -hmm. how, how a storefront works. Or, you know, how to design a retail space so that it attracts people's cameras, not Mm. just people. Because in the museum space, what's interesting is you don't really have to do a lot to be Instagrammable. I mean, obviously, somebody like, you know, Kusama. Yeah, Yayoi Kusama. She has the Infinity Mirrors exhibit that I saw at the Broad. She is ready-made for Instagram-oriented or, you know, camera phone-oriented consumption. Mm -hmm. But I also think that I can already see the way people who design retail space have appropriated her art to attract people to their space. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're going to open a gelato shop in 2019 you're probably going to just steal, like, misinterpret what she's doing. for <laughs> Or, like, use the most superficial approach to her ideas, her mm-hmm. sort of vast uh, visual imagination, to attract people to come in and get gelato. Um, yeah, I mean, because the first thing you thought of, I thought of when you brought this, when you mentioned this to me, was just the iconic photos of people taking photos of the Mona Lisa. I, I, Which I don't I, understand. I'm sorry. I don't get it. I'm not but, here to but, see you. I want to see the Mona Lisa. Aren't we past? I mean, we're past I don't get it, right? Like, that's the whole point. <laughs> and this is the world we live in. What I found so interesting. So we went to see the Infinity Mirrors that's at the Broad right now mm-hmm. and talked to the curator and, like, interviewed her while we're in one of the rooms with the mirrors. 
And I kept waiting and trying to ask her for like, well, what's the downside of this? All these people coming in here with their cameras and their smartphones and all the lines and this and that. And she basically was like, there's no downside. Uh-huh. Yeah, we no. Like it. People are engaging with this art. We're not snobs about smartphones. They're consuming the art and sharing the art. Why would we be mad about that? Mm-hmm. Is anyone mad about this? Or am I thinking that there's some like hypothetical angry curator who's like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I'm sure those people are out there, but I also understand the pressure museums are under to get those feet coming through those doors. Oh, yeah. And And if Infinity Mirrors does it, then so be it. (laughs) Right. I mean, I think that there's a way to be a crotchety old person about this. And there's a way to just be like, yeah, that's just not a thing I'm going to do when I go to the museum, right? Mm -hmm. My problem is when that experience disrupts my experience, right? When I have to mm. like when I have to ask you to get out of the way of of a painting because you are, you know, selfieing, you know, <laughs> in front of something that I want to look at. Like like the know, Mona Lisa. I, right. I mean, forget the Mo- Mona Lisa is like a joke at this point. Like like just a Ray Pettibone, <laughs> you know, like a Ray he Pettibone painting. Like, I mean, well, it's a Her joke. Her here for the first of... <laughs> time ever. The Mona Lisa is a joke. Was the no, Marshall. What I mean is trying to get close enough to it to do anything remotely intimate. Um, you know, the funny thing about that ape video, the Beyonce, Jay-Z ape video, was mm-hmm. that I... Where they're actually, in the Louvre. Where they're in the Louvre. And in this video, the two of them are like posing in front of the Mona Lisa. By themselves. I thought the more... That video is such a cop-out. Because the real <gasps> the real power move would have been for the two of them to go at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday <laughs> and just be like, y'all got to get out of the way. We need to see the Mona Lisa. But um, I, I just think that, I mean, I was just, the reason it just occurred to me was just because I was thinking about all of the ways that, you know, we have this relationship with this art and... The, the experience these two people have in this music video is the experience we kind of think we want, which is, which, is, mm. which is just to have these famous images to ourselves without like being poked in the head by somebody's selfie stick. <laughs> um, but it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me like in the in the macro sense. I just feel like okay. there are certain things that you because think about this also like you think about the people who who just don't have access to these images. And I think that the mm-hmm. museums themselves are aware of this too. I, for, if I'm a person who can't get to any museum because for any number of reasons, I'm disabled and I can't get in. I don't have money to get in. I don't really like museums. I'm agoraphobic. Any number of reasons that you, you couldn't actually access the space. A place like Instagram or the actual you know museum sites, gallery sites can give you a sense of what you, what you physically can't see. And I mean, I think that's really valuable, whether it's coming from some random person's selfie stick or, you know, the Whitney. I think either one of those things is 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 okay. And also, if you think about the collection of these images, you are getting you are like being given ways of seeing. What is for someone who just wants to consume art in earnest and learn something? What is the best way to try to go about living in this world? Like if you had to give someone some like pro tips on art criticism 101 through the internet. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what is your first tip? Make sure you get that caption. <laughs> I mean, just make sure you know what you're looking at. Like, what are you yeah. looking at? Who made yeah. it? What year is it? Like, what yeah. materials are these? Yeah. You want to know some basics, right? You just want to know, I mean, you just want to know what the dimensions of the piece are. <laughs> 
I, but no I've, one does that anymore. I, I Ask know, any of those Instagram just... those those Instagram Mona Lisa selfie takers. Can they tell you one actual thing about that Mona Lisa? Well, I hope they could tell you that it's the Mona Lisa. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps, but that's the one thing, right? Like, but, no, no, no. I mean, but I think that there has to be. I mean, think about the idea that people still are going to take their picture with the Mona Lisa, right? It does. It does mean that there is some value. Now, does anybody care that Da Vinci did it? I don't know. It, I, I can't speak to that. But clearly, it it is less about Da Vinci and more about the experience of like seeing this thing and like taking a picture of it. It is simultaneously it has an Instagram value, but I don't know mm-hmm. that it has art value. We're going to leave the museum talk for now and talk with some artists for whom the museum or the gallery is Instagram itself. That is after the break. BRB. Support for NPR and the following message come from RCA Records, presenting Pink's new album, Hurts to Be Human, featuring the hit songs Walk Me Home, Hurts to Be Human featuring Khalid, Hustle, Can We Pretend featuring Cash Cash, and more. Pink's new album, Hurts to Be Human, available everywhere now. Long term, is it better to invest in the stock market or in real estate properties? Am I considered underemployed because I'm paid for less than 40 hours? Or is full-time more of a feeling? I'm Cardiff Garcia, co-host of Planet Money's The Indicator, where we answer these great questions from you, our listeners, every day and in less than 10 minutes. We are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. And today we're asking a question with quite possibly many answers. How has the Internet, specifically Instagram, changed art? We're going to talk now with an artist who shares her work on Instagram. My name is Pavana Reddy, and I'm a poet and songwriter. Pavana kind of made it big when the singer Anushka Shankar, Nora Jones' sister, caught her work on Instagram and reached out and asked her to write a song for her album. Here's one of her poems. If he doesn't love you the way you need to be loved, for God's sake, leave. Life is too short to keep breaking your back for someone who refuses to grow a spine of their own. There is strength in love, so darling, grab her by the hand and walk away. Don't bother looking back. He won't stop you. The spineless ones never do. Pavana also has two books out. By many metrics, she's made it. But because her work is Instagram first, there are some big questions about how her stuff will do over time if Instagram makes any big changes. She is in many ways an artist at the mercy of this platform. It's frustrating. It's hard to follow Instagram's algorithm, so it's hard to play that game. And also, I hate having to play that game. I don't want to sit on Instagram and look at what the best time to post is. Um, I trust that the people that are waiting to see my work will come visit the page and look at themselves. So I've really learned in the years to distance myself from that. There's also this weird thing about putting your art on Instagram. You can be popular. You can get a lot of likes. You can have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers. It doesn't mean all that's paying all your bills. Pavana still has a day job at a coffee shop. And I'll be at work and I'll be stressing out. And then someone will come in and be like, I love your work. Oh, and so they'll know your mo- face. Right. So oh, there'll yeah. be a moment where I'm just like, oh, no, please don't recognize me. But also... <laughs> 
that's so humbling, you know, that's so cool to have someone come up to me and like not even think about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I think initially sometimes my mind goes to, oh my God, I don't want them to know I work in a coffee shop. Really? To, that's so cool. It's not even like on their mind. They just saw me, recognized me, and they wanted to tell me they love my work. That's amazing to me. Yeah. I love that half of LA knows me as a poet and the other half knows me as a barista. <laughs> Thanks again to Pavana Reddy. Going to hear now from Timothy Goodman. He puts his art on Instagram as well. But his work also lives in the physical world. I'm known for doing a, a kind of whimsical um, freestyle drawing thing, which I do on large murals. I'll do a 40-foot mural over the course mm-hmm. of eight hours, mm-hmm. um, which is all line drawings that will be on murals or packaging or T-shirts or whatever. Timothy does this really good job of at least trying to make sure he's using Instagram and that Instagram isn't just using him. Instagram for me is like how a a jazz musician in the 1940s would play, you know, at this kind of um, beautiful swing dance club for all these people. And then the show would end at midnight and he would go up to uh, to Harlem and jam sessions all night till four in the morning and playing the music he really wanted to play. And so hmm, I always explain. think about so I always think about Instagram as this like sketch for me, you know? It's like let me throw something against the wall, put something out there to an audience and see how people relate to it, how they interact with it, what kind of relationship they find with it. Does it resonate with people? Does it not? When I started talking to Uniglo a couple years ago about a potential uh clothing line, um uh, what resonated most with them was all the Instagram writing I was doing or all the art I was doing for hmm. Instagram. And then that became this kind of really great uh, collaboration because so much of the work I've been doing for free on Instagram um, ended up on Uniglow shirts and we you know, we sold one million of those globally. Um, and so I've always thought about Instagram as this kind of like me, you know, shooting free throws before the game. Adam Kurtz is also really comfortable with Instagram. He does these colorful, text-heavy illustrations that do extremely well on the platform. But he isn't sure how closely he wants to be tied to the app. So I guess my first question for you would be, do you consider yourself a quote-unquote internet artist? I would consider myself an artist. And I think adding the word internet before that is sort of like a weird qualify it. I don't know what that adds or subtracts. And so sometimes it can be added and it's like a positive and, and other times it feels like a negative. Like when someone says, you know, oh, well, you have beautiful eyes. And it's like, well, what about the rest of me? So <laughs> uh, sometimes it feels like that where I'm like, oh, an internet artist, but but not a real life. You know, sometimes it feels like a separation almost like I have and have not. So mm. uh, do, I'm not a huge fan of it. Do people call you that? The first mainstream press I ever got was Paper Magazine in 2012 and they said internet artist Adam J. Kurtz blah 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 and I was like okay (laughs) I guess that's it and that that really hasn't changed you know it it shifted it was Tumblr artist more more recently it's Instagram artist but like I mean it's it's still me I've been doing this a long time when did you start? Um, I like to say over 10 years it's hard to put an exact label but I've been building fan sites and, and making things um, on and off the internet, you know, since I was a child. 
stuff that I was doing as a teenager is is honestly not too different from what I'm doing now. And describe that stuff for folks who might not have seen your stuff before. So right now, uh, I am, you know, I'm an artist and author. I do this illustrative work that manifests in a series of, of journals and stationery uh, books, and then also a line of a gift accessories like pins, patches, and fun stuff. Yeah. I'm trying to think of how to describe visually some of the stuff that I see in your Instagram feed to our listeners. It is handwritten, text-heavy illustrations. For instance, like your latest Instagram post is this, uh, it's got like planets and stars, and then you've handwritten, Mercury is finally out of retrograde, so now everything is your own fault again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Doing this kind of work on a space like Instagram, the entire process of sharing the art is inherently different than sharing it outside of Instagram. Like, how much time do you spend thinking about the way your work moves through the world when it comes through a space like Instagram, as opposed to like, I don't know, back in the day when like you drew a thing and it was in a gallery and like that was it. My work has really always, has always been online. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always been online first. Um, and so that was sort of what I was used to. And what's what is nice about about the Internet and what you know, what I will always be grateful to to Instagram in particular for is it provides a human context that I think the mm. work needs to feel real. Um, and also, you know, there is something about uh, being held in people's hands where people feel like they really know me, um, despite the fact that I don't post, you know, daily photos of myself or I'm not necessarily sharing my, quote, real life on Instagram. That's not what I use the platform for, but my comments are are such a, like, happy and supportive and nice place. <sighs> Teach me your ways. Right? I don't, I think it's, maybe I'm not popular enough. Maybe that's, if any you're listeners out here want to come and like hate on me. You have um, 252,000 followers. You're fairly popular, sir. Well, I wonder what 252,000 people is in 2019 on the internet. Uh, what do you mean? Um, I spent a lot of time thinking about this because I think, well, I think a lot of people spend a lot of time thinking about it. I, I don't know if a quarter million followers is a lot of followers anymore. It's so crazy to hear you say that because I could imagine, you know, in a world before the Internet, if an artist could say that 250,000 people saw a thing they made, it would be astronomical. It's almost as if the scale of everything has changed when the platform for your work all of a sudden is all of Instagram. No, you're you're not wrong at all. I mean, the scale has changed and it is really hard to even visualize what that number is. Is that scary? Do you like that? Does it hurt you? Do you like think about that a lot? Like, mm, well, it helps that the Instagram only sh- or the Instagram algorithm <laughs> only shows my work to like one third to one half of those people anyway. Uh, oh. There's so many of these like funny little realities that take the edge off of the whole thing where the algorithm maybe doesn't show the work or people scroll so fast that they aren't really even looking at it anyway, but it still counts as a view. It's like, what is a view? And also, what's a follower? The whole thing is so abstract. Um, I don't let it impact me too much or maybe as much as others might. When all of this crazy new frontier world makes you upset or makes you feel anxious, what is it about it that gets you? Like, what is it about making art in this time and on these platforms, when it does upset you, what about it upsets you usually? It's stressful because at a certain point you understand what your audience likes. I think the the easy thing to fall into is to just be like, okay, well, my audience loves when I handwrite a slogan on a brightly colored background, which 
as you sort of you know identified at the top of this, um, my like that, yeah. my audience does like that, and I know that. Um, but that's a small part of what I do, and there's more of it on social media. But every day, it's like, do I give them what they want that I know is going to get a lot of likes, get a lot of shares? It's going to help increase my following, you know, in a very direct way. Um, or do I post photos of me and my husband because I'm a real person and I, I think it's worth identifying that I'm a real person? Um, you know, do I want to be just like real gay today and lose a couple hundred followers for it? You know, uh, you lose followers if you're too gay. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, I'll get a comment or a reaction that's like, you know, I don't think this is OK. Um, or people don't yeah. say anything, but they just check out. And I'm like. Who the hell did you think was making this cutie pie stuff? It's not a straight dude. Like, where where do you think this comes from? It's pink. Not that, not that color, you know, uh, is directly. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, I, no, totally. It's like shocking. The, the, completely the aesthetic shocking. of your work is gayish. You know, like so. Why are these it's people a, surprised? It's gay Jason? No, it's. I mean, I did a, ne- a neon rainbow for the Leslie Lohman <laughs> Museum of Gay and Lesbian Art. Like it's. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's just it's it's funny, um, but I also I'll lose followers just for posting like a picture of my face, which is I think the opposite of most people's experience on the platforms. People really aren't here for for me and my physicality and my real life. People are here for for cute stuff and some inspiration. And so people How don't necessarily. I mean, ugly, I guess. Oh uh, no, I mean it's fine. Uh, I, I'm good. <laughs> it's fine. It's uh, fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know what I mean? Like, no, my God, it's fine. Like, this is radio. I feel very beautiful right here. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, in some ways, it's really nice. It's. I, I have thought about this before um, in the context of sort of influencer culture and like how wonderful is it to have a career that that does rely on social media but isn't hinged on my physical appearance. Yeah. You seem to be very much at peace with the way your art exists in this internet forward first social media world was there a time in which you weren't at peace with all these platforms and connectivity and how did you get to peace i mean i'm at peace with this the way i'm at peace with everything in my life which is to say like i'm at peace right now but i won't be in an hour um <laughs> uh, you know like i don't can you tell yeah. that i'm jewish through the microphone is this translating um, you know, I I don't know. I I can't I can't complain because it has really transformed my life. I can't complain because the more followers I get, the more money companies will pay me for the exact same work. You know, like who mm. who am I to complain about something like that? Mm. Um, and I can't really lament a time when I could make work without the internet because I never lived that time. Yeah. So. Yeah. I am just grateful for the things that are happening, and I don't think that they're forever, and I don't know what being a career artist, you know, I'm, I'm 30 now. Will I be doing this in, in 10, 20, 30 years? I have no idea. Hmm. So I'm just trying to be grateful and enjoy it. Zen vibes. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you know, Adam JK, just what a wellness guru, man. So, <laughs> so hashtag inspo. <laughs> Today's episode was produced by Anjali Sastry and Brent Bachman. Our editors are Jordana Hochman and Alex McCall. Thanks again to the fine folks at the Broad Museum in downtown Los Angeles for their help with this episode. And of course, thanks to the artists we talked to in this app: Pavana Reddy, Timothy Goodman, and Adam Kurtz. Also, thanks to Wesley Morris, critic at large for the New York Times. 
Listeners, we want to hear from you, as always, all the time. Reach out. Let us know how you like or dislike or use Instagram in your lives. Also, as always, every week, send us the best thing to happen to you all week. Record your voice. Send that voice file to me at samsanders at npr.org. All right. I will see you on Insta. Talk soon. <laughs>